Our goal this year is to develop our understanding of the gospel. Uh, it's something that I've set aside uh, for once a month, uh, a topical kind of a study devoting to uh, understanding what the gospel is, understanding why we need the gospel. And so uh, this morning we're going to be studying a, a few different passages, starting in 1 John uh, chapter 4, if you want to be turning there. Uh, so far, we've really just been working on a very basic understanding of the gospel. Uh, why is it that we need to know the gospel? What is the gospel? Uh, you know, and, and what does it mean to us? So, of course, I'll repeat this over and over again for those who haven't been here throughout uh, this year. But, of course, the gospel is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And the fact that that death and resurrection gives us life. We've, we've, uh, it's all worked out pretty well, our timing, uh, that, that we just finished up the book of Matthew. We've seen the death of Jesus. We've seen his resurrection. Uh, and, and now we've looked at a few different passages that have shown us how that resurrection gives us all hope of our own resurrection, our own uh, rebirth, and, and into an eternal life, not just a temporary life, but an eternal life uh, that, that is being given to us. Uh, back in January, uh, we, we talked about why we care about this and why this is important to us is uh, that we, whenever we look at the gospel, we grow and we develop faith, hope, and love. Uh, these are the things that make us better people, that make our world a better place. Because of the gospel, because of the good news about who God is and what God has done for us through Jesus... Our faith in Him, our love for Him, our love for one another, our hope is strengthened greatly uh, as a result. So it's important for us to not think of the gospel as this kind of cliche thing that we overlook, but it's something that we go back to again and again and again because it helps us grow. It helps us to develop a deeper faith, a, a better sense of the love that God has for us so that we can show love to other people and a steadfast hope that's resilient and endures all the trials and temptations. Now, in February, we looked at Romans chapter 1. We talked about uh, how Paul has this mentality about the gospel that it has the power to transform lives. And it has the power to multiply believers. The power is in the gospel. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, for it is is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so uh, it's important for us to have this right mentality about the gospel. It develops us in our faith and our hope and love, and it has the power to transform us, and it has the power to transform those around us and to multiply believers in the world. That's what the gospel was given for, to, to accomplish that purpose. That's the purpose God had in providing us with the gospel, and that purpose will not uh, fail. God's word does not return to him void. It accomplishes that for which he has purposed. And so we need to believe that about the gospel. Well, this morning we're going to take a look at another basic concept about the gospel. And that is that the gospel creates love and good works. And it forms a gospel community. Those love and good works uh, are, are spreading as the gospel goes out and they, they focus in and develop and create 
a community. Let's talk about that idea of a community a little bit. And, and the idea that the gospel creates a community of Christians. What does that word mean, community? You know, sometimes uh, you kind of get a negative uh, feeling about that because maybe there's a church down the street called a community church or something along those lines, and we just kind of roll our eyes because maybe not as much Bible is taught there. Maybe they're, maybe they're good. Maybe they do, do some great things. Uh, but maybe they're more so about forming themselves into the community and the world around them, and so we, we have red flags that go off. But we don't need to have a negative idea or thought about community. That's exactly what the word church is. The word church is not the building. That's, we, we know that. But the word church means a group of people. That's what it means. Ecclesia. It just simply means a group of people. Ecclesia of Christ. Group of people of Christ. Church of Christ. And we could also say community of Christ. Because a community is a group of people who share something or have something in common. Uh, in in the, the world around us, uh, usually community is referred to those who live in the same area, the same region. They share a location. But now we have social media where we can be a part of a community that is not bound by uh, physical limitations and, and location, but we have a shared interest. We have a shared experience. And so we connect ourselves with a community. And so as Christians, we are a part of a community. And that community is called the church. That's what it is. It's that simple. Well, how does the gospel create community? If you're there with me in 1 John chapter 4, let's start reading in verse 7. And notice this idea. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. Propitiation means mercy seat, uh, the, the sacrifice for our sins, the, the way in which we find mercy. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. As you read that text, you might say, well, I don't see the word gospel in that text. But hopefully you're, you're able to see that very much the gospel is in this text, very clearly in this text. As the, center, the central part of this text tells us, God loved us enough to give his son to be what we needed, to be the mercy seat, to be the sacrifice that brings about our redemption, our salvation. God has loved us enough to save us from ourselves. And this is love. That God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. 
That's the gospel of life right there, right in the middle of this text. And we all who believe the gospel have accepted this truth that God does love us. And his love is not because we first loved him. His love is not because we became so good and so righteous and so perfect that we were lovable. That's not it at all. But that he chose to love us even though we were completely undeserving of his love. That's exhibited in the murder of Jesus. Jesus wasn't sent into a society, into a culture that was willing to love and accept whatever God commanded. He was sent into a group of people who rebelled against God. Because because God loved the evil, rebellious people who were there. And he wanted to save them through his son. I heard a preacher put it like this. The gospel is the news that you are worse than you ever possibly imagined you were. But that God loves you more than you ever could possibly imagine he would. And I love that thought because it's so, so true. And in this text, it's put, it's put very plainly. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He stepped out with love for us. And we accepted that love. And in this text, and, and, and that's the center of the text, that's the core of the text, the gospel. Well, where do we get community? Notice verse 7, beloved, let us love one another for Love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. The beginning of this text tells us that we accept his love, and then we turn around after receiving such undeserved love, and we desire to love other people like he has loved us. And so he starts off, let us love one another, for God has shown us how to love, and we have learned how to love. If we have received God's love. And then at the end, he comes back to it. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The purpose of this text is not really to focus in on the gospel, but the purpose of this text is to focus in on God's expectation for those who receive the gospel. Let us love one another. We ought to love one another. And in those ideas that we ought to love one another and that we we should be loving one another because of what God's love for us, there's a community that's formed out of love. tells us that receiving the love of God should not result in individualistic lives, lives that are selfish and self-focused and self Uh, selfishly ambitious. That's not really the goal of the gospel. But that the goal of the gospel is to have transformed hearts that love one another and that join together in a community. Because we have things in common. We have shared interests and we have shared relationships. Let's talk about that idea about sharing. Right? We said a community is a group of people who have something that they share. Right? They have something in common. It's kind of in the word community, common, commune. 
uh, communication. There's a, there's a joining together, a, a conversing with one another, a working together with a common mission, a common goal. So the gospel community joins together in a common work, a common mission, and they suffer together. When we look at the letters in the New Testament, we're given letters written to churches. And these churches are communities of believers. And what we read about these churches is that they're joining together with a much larger community, a universal body, a universal community of believers to do a specific work. In Second Thess- in First uh, Thessalonians chapter one, we read about this from the Thessalonian church, a very newly formed church, but they get it. They understand. I was loved by God, therefore I ought to love other people. Listen to what's said in verse 2 of uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with a full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with joy, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, But not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you to Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, who raised him from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Notice the Thessalonian church is, is being spoken to by Paul because they have a work of faith. They have a labor of love. They have a steadfastness of hope. The gospel has had its effect, its impact on the church there. And then he goes beyond that and he says, you became imitators of me. You shared in my affliction. You saw when I was there preaching the gospel how the, the Jews were persecuting me. We read about this in Acts 17. The Jews were persecuting me, and they were, they were constantly against me, so much so that I had to leave, and you joined in the work that I was doing. You shared in my affliction, he says, how, how you received my word in much affliction, And then you turned and you became examples to everybody else about how the gospel transforms the minds and the hearts of people so that they have faith, so that they have love, and so that they have a steadfast hope. So that the churches all around in this bigger gospel community were hearing about how you love the Lord and how you love other people, and they started loving the Lord more and loving other people more, just as you did. And so you see, there's this share in a suffering for the cause of glorifying Christ, for the cause of spreading the gospel, believing that it has the power to transform and to multiply. We see this community of people 
relying on one another and relying on the one who has taught them so that they can go out and live the life that God has called them to live. Very similar picture is found in Philippians. You go back a couple books, Philippians chapter 1, we see the Philippian church doing the same thing, uh, that, that they are joining in the work. Verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. You see the love, the relationship at the start of the letter. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. See, they're partnering with Paul. They're working with him. They have faith, hope, and love working. They're laboring. They're joining Paul. They're partners with Paul in the spread of the gospel. He says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you, for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Notice, they're partners with Paul. They're, they're partaking of the grace of God, but they're partaking of the grace of God in imprisonment and in teaching and defending the gospel. They're sharing in the work, in the ministry. They're sharing in the suffering with Paul. They're working together to accomplish the mission of shining a light to the world around them. This is what the gospel does. It transforms people, and, and then they join together, and they work together to accomplish the mission, the goal. And they're suffering in that. And they don't go out on their own and they don't try to do it all by themselves and suffer all alone on an island, but they suffer alongside other people who are suffering. They join in with them in their suffering. They partner with them in their imprisonment, in their defense and confirmation of the gospel, the things that aren't easy that we're called to do. They join together in that and they form a community of people who do really hard things because they believe, because they have faith in the promises that God has made. But not only is it about suffering. The gospel gives us a community that shares in comfort, too. I love how Paul put it in 2 Corinthians. Uh, if, you, if you swap over to the Corinthian church and think about the Corinthian church and all that they've, they've gone through, 1 Corinthians was just a mess, right? All the struggles that they've had. But when we come into 2 Corinthians, there is such hope and such encouragement in that text to talk about this community of believers in Corinth. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You hear that word over and over again. Verse 5, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. 
which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that you share in our sufferings. As you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. This text tells us that the Corinthians are a community of believers who share in suffering. They share in the suffering. They are willing to to proclaim the gospel. They're willing to suffer through the transformation process of being a holy people that stands out in the world around them. But they share also in comfort. And this text is primarily getting that point across. That this community is created to show love to one another and to comfort one another as we go through the trials and the tribulations and the sufferings that it, that it requires to show love to other people. The Corinthians aren't a perfect group of people. In fact, they're the, they're, they're the perfect example for this for us to think about. You know, we look at the Philippians, there's not much information about their flaws. There's some. The Thessalonians, there's really not any information about their flaws. There's some who are being lazy. Uh, but you look at the Corinthians, there's so many issues in the Corinthian church. And yet, here Paul comes in and says, we suffer together. We suffer together. We don't divide ourselves. Remember 1 Corinthians. We don't divide ourselves up among, you know, those are the people over there who suffer. We stay away from them because we don't want to share in that suffering. No, we join together with those who are in that suffering. The one who has his father's wife is uh, kind of outcast because he's living a rebellious life. In this text, he's going to tell us he, they bring him back in and he encourages that. You suffer with those people who have problems, who have issues, and you comfort them and you bring them the encouragement that they need to be what God has called them to be. Paul says, I suffer for the cause of Christ and I have comfort in knowing that you are suffering for the cause of Christ. In all of our struggles We find comfort in each other. And if you have now endured the trial, and if you have gone through it and come out the other side and been comforted by God, then I find comfort in that because I know my comfort's coming. See, there's this sharing. You're afflicted with me, I find comfort in that. You're comforted, I look forward to the comfort that I have waiting for me, and I'm excited for you. It's this idea of we weep with those who weep, and we rejoice with those who rejoice. That is what the community of Christ is supposed to be about. We share in a mission, we share in experiences, and we share in our hope. And this text tells us we share this with Christ Has Christ suffered and found comfort? We share in that. Christ is a part of our community. And we share it with one another. As we suffer and as we find comfort, we share that together. So what do we need to know about this idea of a gospel community? First of all, we need to remember this gospel. I'm going to put it before you over and over again. That God loved us even though we were undeserving of it. That is the gospel. And we need to hear that over and over and over again. Because the love of God is supposed to create a love in us. That's the purpose that he has for saving us. 
to create a love in us that desires to be with one another and to join together. That's so countercultural today. That's so counter the church model that is created in our world today. That we would actually like one another enough to be around one another more often, to build one another up, to love one another. And it calls for us to suffer in order to bring other people into this community. To say the hard things in a gentle and loving way, to be patient with those who are mean and evil toward us. To reach out to those who are outcasts, to those who won't benefit us, who might actually tarnish our image or our reputation. To hang in there with those who have failed miserably and have a repentant heart and want to make a change. That's what we're called into. This is a community. Salvation is not individualistic. It's not God loves you so that you can love you. It's God loves you so that you can love others and understand the love that God expects from you. We comfort one another. We suffer together and we comfort one another. It's not your job to tear people down in this community. That is not what God wants. That is not the love that God hoped to create in us. Jesus could have came into this world and he could have told everybody everything that they're doing wrong all the time. But to the person with the repentant heart, he built them up. He encouraged them. He said, yeah, you can't do that anymore. But he encouraged them. He pushed them forward to do more for God, to be better, to follow him in suffering for God's glory, for God's will. Well, as we look at ourselves, it, it becomes kind of difficult. I mean, any time that I compare myself with a community that I find in the New Testament, I tend to just kind of cower and say, there's no way uh, that we could ever create a community like the Thessalonian church. As I said before, they're not perfect. They've got problems. Uh, the Corinthian church makes me feel much better <laughs> But as I look at the Philippians, as I look at the Thessalonians, I might think, well, we'll never be like those churches. We'll never have that kind of community that's partnering with, uh, with uh, those who are out preaching the gospel in hard and difficult places, that's actually caring about them, concerned about their well-being, praying for them, thinking about them all the time. We'll never be there. And we just need more working faith. We need more laboring love. We need more steadfast hope. We're just not there yet. We don't have enough. Well, the truth is, we'll never have enough of this. The gospel is creating this and developing this inside of us. It was developing it inside of the Thessalonian church. It was developing it inside of the Philippian church. Paul told them, abound more and more in your love and in your faith. It doesn't end. And so as I might have some negative thoughts about our gospel community, we need to recognize we're a work in progress. We're not there yet. We haven't made it there. And that's okay. The question is, are we heading in the right direction? Are we focused in on the gospel? Are we developing faith, hope, and love? And are we working together to accomplish the goal that God has given us? This is why he gave us the gospel. 
He gave us the gospel so that we could grow in our faith and hope and love and we could build up other people around us and show them the kind of love that God has shown to us. Being a part of this community is not about being good enough. If you're not a part of this community and you want to be a part of this community, it's not about being good enough. It's about loving God enough. And the question is, are you willing to love God enough to submit your life to serving him in the gospel community? Maybe that you're here this morning and you've never really suffered for other people. You've never really put anybody else that much above yourself. You've, you maybe have tried that and it hurt and you didn't find the comfort that you needed. And so you got out of that real quick. It may be that you have, have been a part of this community, but you've been a distant part. and You've not really connected that much. You've not really comforted anybody. And maybe you just expected everybody to comfort you. God showed you undeserved love to teach you how to show undeserved love to other people. And he expects you to do it. And if you don't do it, the community feels the absence of that love toward them. And it hurts. It hurts our efforts. It hurts our desire, our drive, our fire inside of us. And we need it. And we're not going to bash you if you start trying to change and do different things and, and become a working part of the community. We'll welcome you with open arms. And we're, not gonna, we're gonna try not to make it weird or awkward or anything like that. We just want everybody to be working together in this community to build one another up, to love God more, and to have a greater faith that loves the community around us enough to share the gospel with them. I don't know your situation. I don't know where you're at right now. But if, if there's anything that we can do to help you, will you please let us know? Will you please become a part of us and, and join in this community so that we can grow together to glorify God together? If there's anything we can do, please come as we stand and as we sing.